Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. So we have a lot to talk about today. Yes. Yes. A lot of things. So much has happened. What should we start with? Um, I don't know what brings you the most the most thrill here. I know what excites me the most to talk about, but... Let's talk about Duggars. <sighs> yes. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Okay, okay. so if you're not familiar with the Duggars... TLC's family of just breeding like rabbits. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I mean the show is called nine. It's called Nineteen Kids and Counting because they're still counting. Yeah, and I had. I think no they're idea. at twenty or something. Now. Oh my god. Yeah. The lady's still popping out. No, kids? she. I think oh, she's okay. like done, done. But okay. I'm pretty sure it got up to twenty. Wow. But um, the oldest son, who has always been creepy and pervy. Um, a few years ago, he was implicated in, like, accused and admitted to uh, sexually abusing his sister's right. a relative or, I think, another relative and then an unrelated person. And that was 2015, right? Because that's when the show went off TLC. That sounds right, yeah. So 2015 is when his sisters brought up these... Uh, and like, I don't know that um, his sisters did. I think it was oh, the unrelated family member who that did. That said the sisters were... Yeah. Gotcha. And then the sisters did come forward and confirm. But, uh, yeah, and then in 2017 or something like that, his car dealership was raided um, by the feds. So there's been, like, ongoing investigations. Anyway, so he was arrested on the last week of April. Um, And so he was charged with um, possession and receipt of child pornography, which... I've done a whole thing on sex trafficking and human trafficking. I prefer to refer to it as child abuse materials, which you can go to the National Center of Sexual Exploitation to learn more about that. I think just because pornography implies you're doing it willingly, right? Yeah, and that you're like making money off of it or something like that. Right, like adult pornography. 18 and over, you're doing it. You're getting a a wage because you want to do it. And it minimizes the, like, what exactly is happening there. Exactly. You're literally abusing children and using that content to abuse children. Yes. Um, So, yeah, surprise? No, but... (laughs) I was surprised. I'll tell you this because then I Googled him and I wanted to Google the case. I had no idea because I completely, I don't follow them as much as other people do, but I had no idea he himself was on his seventh child. He, his wife just announced a month ago that they're pregnant with their seventh child. Also, that reminds me, I forgot. I think the whole thing about his sisters came out because Ashley Madison, that website that um, facilitated people, married people having affairs, Mm -hmm. they had a data breach and his name was leaked in that. So he had an account. He admitted to having an addiction to porn. Like truly, I was like, this is only a matter of time. Yeah. And so when it came out that, like, this is what happened last week, I was like, yeah, not surprised We saw that at all. coming kind Yeah, of thing. from a mile away. So, yeah, he's facing uh, 20 years right now. And oh, wow. The charge is now related to having this type of material. It's like, I mean, the sentencing behind it has gotten so, so much more... Significant. Yeah. Good. Good. As it needs to be. Yeah. And... I mean... Oh, and he now has... Um, they... He's not allowed to be within however far away from children or whatever. So he can have no access to his own children anymore. Oh, wow. Which I was like, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that's a lot of little children. And I know that just the 
you know, the fact that he's in that close proximity well, to that many smaller children is... And ugh. the materials they found, they said that they featured children under the age of 12. His oldest oh child God. is 11. So oh his daughter, his oldest daughter is in the age range of the stuff he's looking at. Oh, that is disgusting. What it sounds like, though, is that they built a case and they didn't just do it, like, right, you know... I think that's why his... Thing. And I think that's why his dealership was raided. I think that's where he's keeping everything. Like, I think he's accessing oh. it from his dealership computer and Instead all that Instead of, like, the stuff. home computer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this has Ugh. been the case that's been built for, for a, while. a long time. For a while. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. Now I'm kind of concerned, though, if you're building that kind of case, usually it's because you are creating and distributing um which is concerning while i actually got the alert about the josh duggar story and was looking at that gillen maxwell story popped up at the same time if you guys haven't seen the picture i'm pretty sure mackenzie posted this on our story right i think i posted it on stories i definitely posted it in the group so definitely want to you definitely want to go look at this picture because this is what we'll be talking about today so um at least for this front portion so there was just a picture made public of Ghislaine Maxwell from inside prison that she has this disgusting little smirk on her face. It's almost but like she was taking a selfie, but it, I don't think oh, she yeah. was. It's like a high up selfie. You don't think it was a selfie? No, I think her lawyer took it of her. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so... And then it's super cropped because there's other stuff around or whatever. Weird. I don't know. It is super zoomed in. It's of her face only. The most notable thing on this picture is that she has a black eye on her left eye. And Mackenzie will explain what she said, (laughs) how that came to be. Yeah, so her attorney brought into question the fact that she's got a black eye and, like, his obvious concerns about this. So they asked her, how did you get the black eye? And she's like, IDK, my BFF gel. Um, (laughs) No, she's literally like, I don't know. And so... um, which I'm like, smart, smart woman. Like, you snitches get stitches. But her attorney said, basically, he thinks that she potentially gave herself the black eye when they come around and do their evening checks or whatever. They have to use, you know, they check on her every 15 minutes. They do wellness checks because she's on a suicide watch. And at night, they use flashlights to check, and she shields her eyes from the flashlights, and he thinks there's a potential that she gave herself a black eye trying to block flashlights out of her vision. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, if, if I've shielded is... my eyes many a times from light and, uh, I mean, not flashlights in a prison, but like have blocked my eyes like naturally. And I've never managed to give myself a black eye. So there's that. Listen, she's already in hot water, but if this is the attorney that's going to be defending her and this is the kind of crap he's coming up with, yeah. I don't know that she has a chance at all. Yeah. <laughs> not that her not that she's worth saving, but I mean everyone deserves competent <laughs> lawyers. If someone's coming up with a story like that, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what in the world? So I don't know where he got that from or what I think the purpose he's trying, like he's using it as an opportunity to stop the wellness checks because they're literally every fifteen minutes and she was like, I don't need somebody oh, constantly God. waking me up. Um but I thought they had cameras in most of the cells, especially like the suicide, like if you're on suicide watch, we know how like reliable these cameras can be. Um, Well, that's the whole problem with 
um, Jeffrey Epstein is he right. had cameras on him and they went out. He had the yeah. cameras. They went out. So, like, I don't think they're being allowed to rely on cameras for her, but... So weird. Yeah. Because you'd think that um, if someone is hurting themselves to the point, like, obviously inadvertently, because of these checks, because of the lights, mm-hmm. that they would not continue to do that. But, I mean... If that's the story that the attorney's sticking to, then by all means. So, yeah, if that's the hat the lawyer wants to hang their... Wait, what? If that's the hook the lawyer wants to hang their hat on. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the hat the lawyer wants to hang their hook on. Um, then by all means. But, yeah, I'm super curious. I don't think anything will come of it, but it's just interesting. I, yeah. don't, I don't think she gave herself a black eye. No. Does this mean she's going to end up dead soon? Also, you know, I'm like, sometimes I look into stuff too much. But I was looking at pictures side by side with with pictures that we do have of her, like, obviously pre-prison. But Mm -hmm. you can't tell me that nose doesn't look different. She looks like she's... I think she had her nose broken. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it looks swollen. When you sent me the pictures of her previously before she was arrested, yeah, like she looks like she has a different nose. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's been broken repeatedly because it's very swollen. It is super swollen. Like the bridge of her nose used to be super fine, and now it's a a a lot wider. So yeah, we'll see what comes of that. Um, I thought it was interesting that they released the picture though. Yeah, um, I do too. It's like proof of life. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate knowing that she's still alive and well and can withstand a trial. Thank you. Yep. Good to know. So that brings us to our case today. Okay. So. I have no idea what you're doing. Yes, you do. Do I? Yeah. I'm filling in the blanks of Sparkle's Mansion. Oh, okay. So, I didn't know you were doing that. Yeah, so I... If you read our Instagram stories or, like, paid attention to them, you would know. Um, so, <laughs> I would like to apologize to all of our murder lovers because I did you guys such a disservice when I covered Spreckle's Mansion. In my defense, I had a homework assignment that was due that night. So, <laughs> yeah. and I turned it in at 11 o'clock on the dot. Nice. Due, like, the time it was due. Um, I lost eight points on that assignment because I did a really crappy job. So, yes, I did you guys a disservice when I recorded the Spreckles Mansion episode. I did not research that thoroughly enough. I did a shoddy job and I gave you a shoddy case. And then I found out all this stuff later on and I'm just, like, horrified by how much I missed. Horrified. Horrified. Let them so, know who you listen to, though. Um, <laughs> she won't admit it. So, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So, I was like, I need to find out more about this. And so, I, like, Google search podcasts or whatever that had covered the Spreckles Mansion murder and Rebecca Zahow. And um, Dr. Phil popped up. <laughs> And um, I was like, I really don't have any other choices at this point. And so I started listening to the Dr. Phil podcast. <laughs> and, okay. And she loved it. I freaking cannot stand <laughs> Dr. Phil. And I'm not alone. I did an Instagram poll on this because I was like, this podcast is so good. I got super into it. I started listening to all the different cases after I listened to this one. Yeah. Um, he does okay. So if you guys haven't gone over and checked him out, he usually does like at least a three or four part. I on think it's a like case. at least five. Yeah. yeah, he does. He does a really good job. Every season is a new case. 
I like there are times where he says things and I'm like, oh, that's exactly why I don't like him. And then like, but like I power through the only case that I have listened to that I was like, this is exactly why I hate you the whole way through was when he covered Chris Watts. Watts, I knew I it. thought he was such an idiot with that. He like described narcissism the same as a sociopath and just like, I just don't think he had a good understanding of it and didn't yeah. explain things very well. And he sounded like such, he sounded like such an arrogant mansplainer the whole time i don't know yeah anyway it wasn't my favorite but he did he did rec- he did cover rebecca's the how and the spreckles mansion murder um and i posted a poll on instagram asking if people were like team dr phil or if it was just me and over 90 percent of you are like anti-dr phil so <laughs> holla we're in this together um, Fatina's still on his side. I was at 10%. Thank you. You were like, I would just like, when you posted on the story and you were like, I'd like to congratulate Mackenzie on liking Dr. Phil. And I was like, I feel like you're misunderstanding. I don't like Dr. Phil. I just like his podcast. Um, that's true. His show is very different than the podcast. God, I freaking hate his show. So the show is completely different. When I say I like Dr. Phil, I mean the murder and mystery podcast, guys. Yeah. Um, because sometimes, and it happens more often than not on this podcast, he'll ask the same questions that I'm thinking in my head and try and go through it. So it's, um, kind of layman's terms, but he does do some sort of, um... He does dive a little deeper into like the psychological yeah. aspects of the of the case, so he's that's not, why I like that. But when he's not giving attention to crappy people like he's on a show, right? <sighs> anyway, that's my tangent on Doctor Phil. Okay. Um. So yeah, I like went and revisited Rebecca's house. So like, I asked you guys on Instagram, which if you're not following us on Instagram. Quite honestly, that's where I am 95% of the time. I don't do a good job on our Twitter. In fact, I don't even have the login anymore. (laughs) Um, I do a horrible job in keeping up with the Facebooks, but Instagram, you guys will hear from me a lot on there. But I asked you guys on Instagram, like, do you want me to do a part two or like redo the episode? And everybody was like, God, no, don't redo it, but do a part two. Gotcha. So. Like the things we miss, things we've. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So, let's do it. I won't go through like everything that happened again because you guys already know, but I do want to fill in some blanks. Okay. So, starting with Max, because all of this story starts with Max, Shaq Knight going over the balcony. And if you haven't listened to part one, like just stop right now. None of this is going to make sense to you. Go listen to part one. Um, So, Max went over the balcony, and remember, he's six years old. And so, when he goes over the balcony, I filled in some blanks. You had asked me at one point, like, where does the chandelier sit? And, like, right. what would be the velocity on all that and everything? I was like, I don't know, because um, I didn't research any of it. So the theory that was floated to the family was that Max was either riding his Razor scooter mm. or was running towards the banister at a speed of which allowed him to, once he hit the banister, go over the banister and grab onto the chandelier and pull that down with him, which the chandelier does sit over, like, it almost looks like... the second floor? Yes, it sits, like, right between the first and second floor. So if you went over the balcony, chances are you are going to hit that. Right. That thing. So if you're sitting, just to paint it's a bit of a picture... It's not above. So if you're standing on the balcony, you're looking down, and you can see the top of the chandelier. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. So, and, and there's some things and questions about that that... I had, and I don't think that anyone knows the answer to, because since 
he was still technically alive when they came and picked him up and took him to the hospital, to the ICU, there was a lot of things that weren't looked into or that were preserved as evidence. Like, there is no, you know, police sketch of where this Razor scooter was in relation to where he fell, right? Like, none of that information right. is known. Right. Or, and like, the dog, Ocean. Yes. We don't know where he was at. We don't know where he was at. So, a couple things is... They they haven't been able to recreate this, like, in a way that they feel like could give them an accurate answer yeah. as to whether or not this is possible. But at the time of the accident, the carpet did have shag carpet, or I'm sorry, the, the stairway in the hallway had shag carpeting on it. Mm. So there's no way that his Razor scooter could have ever been going fast enough to actually send him sailing over the balcony. But it could also explain why maybe he got caught up like the tires got caught up or like truly stopped in the but the rug. balcony is high enough that he would have actually had to physically lift himself mm. to go over it so his he was what seven six six so i'm i'm assuming i'm like a like a banister up to code i think is four feet so he was maybe at the, t- like his head was probably maybe a little bit above the banister at that point. Exactly. So there's no way he really could have gone over the balcony on his own accord. Um, it just like the science behind it doesn't make sense. And I'm not great at physics, but like even I can figure this out. Yeah. Um, they also said that he like grabbed on the balcony to stop his fall, but his hands showed no signs of making contact with mm. the crystal on the chandelier. Like there was no, like if he had grabbed the the chandelier and pulled it out, it is a glass chandelier. Like he would have had like some type of marks on his hands from oh, that. Yeah. He probably cut his hands. That wasn't the case. So there's nothing to indicate that he actually did grab onto that to stop his fall. Because we don't have any information on whether or not there was any markings or anything on his body that would tell us if it was his back that hit the chandelier first, his face, his chest area first. They did say he fell face forward based on how he landed. He fell face forward. Okay. Um, Because he broke a lot of facial bones in his fall. okay. Okay. A doctor later on said that it would have been more likely that someone assaulted him prior to him actually falling based on his injuries. And that... Basically, he was thrown over the banister to make it look like it was an accident and truly believed that an assault had occurred prior to him actually falling. And that was one of the doctors that was on his case when he was at the hospital. At the hospital, when he was still being treated for. Right. Yes. But no way of saying, like, knowing who would have assaulted him or anything like that. Now, remember, Rebecca was there with her younger sister, who was 13 years old, and mm-hmm. the sister was supposedly in the shower at the time, and Rebecca was supposedly in the bathroom at the time. So there's nothing that really indicates either one of them did it, and right. nothing that indicates that either one of them didn't do it. Um, it is also very interesting that Rebecca put her sister on a plane the very next day and got her out of town. Yes. So. As far as, like, looking suspicious goes, looks very suspicious. Right. But I also understand the angle of you don't want a 13-year-old, just because obviously it's a grave situation. Like, there's a kid in ICU and there's, you know, surgeries and things happening and family. But she is a witness. But she is a witness. She was in the house. Right. But at the same time, you know, the other way I could see it is 
if you don't think she had any involvement, if you truly think this was an accident, I could see why you would put her on a plane. Like, oh my God, sorry, you can't visit anymore. Go yeah. away. I'm, yeah. we, I have to take care of this with my fiance and, you know, his kid. Yeah. But, God, yeah, the next day is super suspicious. Right. Um, the other thing is that the doctor on the trauma case said that based on the injuries, it would have been impossible for Max to say the word ocean. Because remember, oh. Rebecca said she picked him up and he whispered the word ocean, which some have said, like, that was his way of saying, like, the dog tripped him up or it was the dog's fault that he somehow ended over the balcony or whatever. Mm-hmm. They said based on the the amount of damage to his spine, his head, his face, everything like that, he would not have been able to speak. To get at a that word point. out. Yeah. So... There's high doubt behind that as well. Yeah, like, was that her way of getting the target off of them, mm-hmm. the suspicion off of them that maybe something did happen either from her or her sister? Yeah, that's... I mean, if a doctor is saying there's no way that this kid could have spoken... Yeah. Then I'm I'm likely to believe the doctor. Now, Rebecca was also overheard saying to her little sister, as everything's unfolding, Dina's gonna kill me. Which is Max's biological mom. Oh. Okay. And so there is some acknowledgement of some type of responsibility from Rebecca's part, whether it was like, Dina's going to kill me because I wasn't watching Max. Dina's going to kill me because of whatever. Now, her and Dina had a really strained relationship. And Dina Dina and Jonah, who is Max's dad, Mm -hmm. were married but separated when Jonah started dating Rebecca. Okay. And so there was some tension there because of that. Um, And Dina also said that she was uncomfortable with Rebecca at the beginning because she didn't like that Rebecca had lied or omitted details that she felt like she had a right to know. She didn't like that Rebecca hadn't told her her legal name because, you know. Oh, because she was still married. That's right. Well, I think she technically still had her. Yeah, she, yeah, so she was married. You're right, separated. Mm Um, so I think she told her her maiden name that wasn't her legal name. Mm. Also, when Rebecca was much younger, she had a shoplifting charge against her. So she felt like she had a right to know that, which I'm like, no, you don't. don't. So several things like that where she just felt like she says Rebecca wasn't being honest with her. But I'm like, these are things that aren't really your business. Yeah. Yeah. I Those don't... seem like petty things. I, I, I see where she's coming from. Like, oh, I feel like I don't know this woman, but... One, they're the, not huge things. Like, they're not... It's not, but it does drive the idea that Dina was jealous of the relationship yeah. between Jonah and Rebecca, which becomes important when Rebecca ends up dead. That's true. Yeah. Just a couple days later. When Max is in the hospital, as I mentioned before, there was a voicemail that was left on Rebecca's phone from Jonah that the records were never pulled or whatever. So we don't know exactly what the voicemail said, Mm -hmm. but Jonah has said that he called Rebecca basically to say that Max was never going to make a full recovery, that he either wasn't going to make it or that he, they knew for sure that he wasn't ever going to walk or talk again, that he would basically, you know, be in a vegetative state or something. And that was the voicemail that was left at the time, which I, had not done my due diligence and research and had not sure what that yeah. voicemail was. But well, and it's now hard I know. because we only know what he is he's saying. saying. Yes. Because there's no record of the voicemail as far as like the actual audio it being saved because it was deleted from her phone, right? Right. Like it was heard and deleted. Okay. Yep. And then they never 
pulled it. And we're assuming reason. it was she herself that heard the message and deleted it. Correct. Right. Yes. Now, um, Rebecca, I had left out before, like, we kind of mentioned and touched on that she was very, like, well-kept and she thought very highly of her parents, but I don't think I really drove that point home well enough. Um, She was in incredible shape. She worked out every single day. This was one of the things that her and Jonah had in common, and she was, like, very much put together. Yeah. So, like, thought quite a bit of her appearance and her appearance was very important to her. So she had standards for her appearance. I mean, she was living in a house where obviously it's a mansion. Yeah. Um, potential, you know, husband or boyfriend that she's meeting that has a lot of money, goes to a lot of high end places, has a lot of high end friends and whatnot. So it, it comes with the title. Yeah. Right. It comes with the position. You have to keep yourself up. Right. You know, physically, um, cause I, yeah, I did see pictures of her and it's, she's, she's put together. Yeah. She's one of those women that probably wouldn't be put together to go get her mail. Right. Yeah. And so that's important, but also, and you open up an interesting point, it was part of the role she was playing, but Rebecca wasn't very content with the role she was playing. Rebecca wrote about herself quite a bit, but I didn't really elaborate on how. She wrote about herself? Yeah. Because remember the, the message on the door? I said Rebecca wrote about herself quite a bit, but she never referred to herself in the third person. Okay. So Rebecca kept a diary. Oh, okay. That, okay. Yeah. Like, I, I thought you meant like a blog or something. No. So she actually used the notes feature on her phone oh. to, like, record her thoughts and things like that and kept a pretty, like, detailed diary in her phone. And according to that, she was, like... It sounds like she was planning on actually, like, leaving the relationship. Oh. And kind of expressed to her sister that she felt more like a glorified maid and caregiver. And didn't have the best relationship with his kids, despite what other people say. Like, she felt like they were allowed to... Run amok. ...be disrespectful towards okay. her and backtalk her and stuff like that. And that basically she, like, chauffeured them around, had to watch them like she was on that day. Yeah. She was constantly cleaning up this mansion that's huge or whatever. She wasn't really being treated like the girlfriend. Sure. And so she had kind of grown discontent in the relationship. Yeah. This is important because when Rebecca ends up dead all of these things come into play her appearance is going to speak directly to how her body was found oh absolutely so as i mentioned in the previous episode she's found naked all bound up everything like that on display in the front yard that kind of thing which is just out of character for women in general but particularly for somebody like her where she does think so much of her appearance and everything like that that this is just not a state that she would be found in Yeah. The other thing is that she was found with a note on the door, and I have received clarification. The note on the door says, she saved him. Can you save her? Okay. And based on Rebecca's notes and the things that she wrote, she never referred to herself in the third person. So the idea that she would start at this point was highly unlikely. Right. I mean, I, I want to touch a little bit more the state that she was found in and just like the the psychological yes. fuckery that's happening with being on the front lawn, on display. Not only would a woman not likely do that, not only would Rebecca based on what we know wouldn't do that, but I just think a person in general to themselves wouldn't do that because as far as 
taking your own life. It's a personal right well moment or like um so shaming yourself isn't really like a right it's not you're not a natural reaction the other thing too that investigators yeah the other thing that investigators pointed out is like had she been wearing clothes and this is independent investigators not the ones that are actually involved with the case had she been wearing clothes they would have been like yeah 100 percent suicide clothes changed like the fact that she wasn't wearing clothes is enough to go not yeah, quite. It, it seems like you said it's it seems more like a public shaming, like a public yeah. display. And and there is pictures that I haven't posted because they were a little tough. Yeah, but I decided not to post those either. Yeah. But you can see how her body was found if you Google right. the case. Rebecca's a how. Right. But the it's interesting that the clothes are the determining factor in her committing suicide, very much like what I said, if she had not been found hanging they wouldn't have called it a suicide. Last episode, I spoke to that. If her body had been found in any other state, it would have been investigated as a murder. But Mm -hmm. because they found her hanging, that somehow pointed in a different direction. Her sister was interviewed, her older sister, or older than the 13-year-old, it was one that was, like, around the same age, um, was interviewed that she had talked to that night. um, And, you know, she texted her to say, like, you know, has has the little one gotten home yet and everything? they're like, that they had had a conversation that night that was very much about the future, like how they were going to celebrate their dad's birthday, that she didn't really feel guilt about Max's death, that she didn't feel responsible, at least, that she knew it was an accident. She talked to her? Yeah. Okay. They were making plans. Like, it, there were no signs or indicators that she was suicidal. She was very much talking about, like, future plans. Right. And seemed to be, like, in a relatively good headspace about things. All things considered. Right. right, exactly. So no signs or anything like that, that anything like this was going to come. And so that's why when they ruled it a suicide, she was like, no. And then when they're like, she was found naked, she was like, no, no, yeah. this is not a suicide. So. And that definitely, at least the way that she was found and everything, um, it's not a sporadic desperate type of moment thing. And that's what they said. Like, this is something that would have really required planning. Like, you would have had to have the rope, and you would have had to have the paint, and, like, you would have had to have all these things. And, mm-hmm. like, for her to go into, like, such an extreme, it really, like, would have been more of a psychological break. Like, she would right. have had to, like, literally snapped from reality. Especially with the added component of the knife that was brought into everything. Yes. The fact that she would have had to assault herself vaginally with that knife. Yeah. It really speaks to a a really disconnected state of mind. Like, she would have had to be absolutely out of it to do something like that to herself. And to play devil's advocate... I mean, like you said, to have a psychotic break or, you know, to to go to that point, the phone call from Jonah could have been that tipping point. Could have, yes. But, the, but we have all these other factors that say it's right. not self-inflicted. But And to Dr. Phil's point, Jonah did say, like, this is what's coming, but it hadn't come yet. Right. There's still hope. Right. So the idea that she would have, like for lack of a better term, pulled the trigger on this early. Yeah. The timeline's not quite there. No. Main character in all of this that really gets brought up is Adam Shackney. So so Adam Shackney is Jonah's brother. So remember when um, Rebecca went to the airport to drop uh, off her Jonah sister. And Jonah Shackney, right? Okay. And she picked up Adam 
at the airport. Right. And Adam had flown into town to be with his brother in the crisis that he was in with mm-hmm. Adam's nephew, basically. He, right. was, he had called, when he found out what had happened to Max, he called Rebecca. Which was weird that he called Rebecca and not his own brother. But he called that her. Weird. Yeah, he called her to get like a sense on the situation and be like, would it be helpful for me to be out there or am I just gonna be like too much? And she was basically like, follow your heart and do what you feel is best. So he got an airplane and came out to be with Jonah. And he was staying at the guest in the guest house on the property. Oh, completely separate? Completely separate. Oh. Enough space that they said basically it would have been like he was any other neighbor. I didn't so know that. he was not staying in the house. Okay. Now, Adam Shacknai is my guy in this. I'll just say it. Like, last time I had not looked into him at all. And again, huge disservice to you guys. Adam Shacknai worked as a tugboat pilot in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Now, the knots that were found on Rebecca's body were that of a nautical nature. They were considered complex nautical... Knots that are not exclusive to the nautical industry, meaning like they aren't exclusive to those who work boats. Okay. But are common among those who work boats. Hmm. Adam was able to identify the knots and refer to them by name, but also said that he didn't know how to do them. That those knots that were on Rebecca were not anything that he would have ever had to use in his particular job. What? Yeah. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Okay. Um, okay. So that was like a big thing. The other that is thing, pretty big. The other thing is after spending the evening with Rebecca, because, you know, they went to dinner with Jonah and everything like that. After spending the evening with Rebecca on his search history, he had a search history for, and remember, Rebecca is of Asian descent. He had on his search history sexy Asian girls and bondage anime. Oh, no. Interesting, right? Very. Very interesting. Like 0 to 10, we're at a 10. Yeah. So he just happened to have that. So they did search the guest house as part of, like, everything that had happened. Okay. And in the guest house... Excuse me, I'm going to tell them. Just give me a second. In the guest house, they did find a pair of white, pink, and purple women's underwear in the trash can in his guest house where he was staying. Okay. But they never tested it for DNA or any evidence of assault. And they don't even know if it's Rebecca's. They don't know if it's hers. They never found the clothes that she was wearing. My understanding is that Jonah never, like, identified those as hers. Said whether they are or they're not. Yeah. Okay. But her, the clothes she was wearing that day were never found. But he has oh. a pair of women's underwear in the trash can at the guest house. And he's the only one staying in that guest house. And supposedly hmm. he went to bed at 8 o'clock that night. So you That's early in. for... Well, I <laughs> mean, he just flew in. He just flew in and he's on East Coast time. Okay. So it's actually 11 o'clock his sure. time. Sure. But yeah, that was because some... I thought they had a nightcap too. Like they and remember the music was loud that night. So the music was loud that night, but he said he slept through that. He was not part of that. Oh, he so the music taken... was from the main house. He said the music was from the main house. Neighbors also reported that they heard a woman yelling "help," but the police convinced the person that said that that they were calling for help. Hearing? It was might have been kids in a yard somewhere in the middle of the night. 
Okay, kids don't usually yell help unless... In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, unless someone needs help. So that was like... They basically like just dismissed that as something else. Okay. So, but he said that he'd taken an Ambien and he'd slept through it. So he had no idea whether or not music was coming from the house or not. I mean, Um, Ambien's a good alibi for sleepwalking. Yeah. (laughs) So he's claimed like he has nothing to do with this or whatever. He slept through the whole thing. But there is the whole like not thing. And the fact that he... He knows it. Yeah, he knows it. Whether or not he uses it and he's like, I don't know how to do that kind of knot. He knew what it was. And... Yeah, I would say I don't know how to do it, and I wouldn't be able to replicate it if they put a rope in front of me either. Duh. Well, and the fact that you're searching for that kind of thing on your phone after hanging out with her that night. Yeah. Like, to me, that's like, you're showing an interest in her. Yes. And then... The fact that he's, like, she's the point of contact. Right. And then the underwears and everything like that. The other thing is, is the Zahao family had a handwriting expert come in and do an analysis of the... Door. The door. Mm Mm-hmm. And the witness in that case that did the analysis, and this, they testified in the civil trial because a Mm. lawsuit was brought against Adam later. The witness that testified in this case said that he believed it was much more likely that Adam wrote that text than Rebecca... (sighs) Because the M on that, it said, um, she saved him. Can you save her? So in him, M, uh-huh. the M was written with a long extended end and it swooshed it down. And Adam had a very similar M that he used. On his in, name. In Well, yeah, in his name and like in other texts that he'd written and stuff like that. It was very indicative of his handwriting. Sure. Whereas Rebecca's handwriting didn't match at all. They said that the writing on the wall also leaned to the left. Rebecca's handwriting leans to the right. Adam's handwriting leans to the left. So it's written with his lean on it. And also it's written at the height of somebody that was 5'11". Rebecca was 5'2". She would have had to literally be stretching up. And if you look at... I posted a picture of it. If you look at the picture of the door, it's it's up there on the door. Like, it would have been... I would have had to reach up, and I'm almost 5'8". Yeah. Whereas her, like, she would have been literally on her tiptoes trying to write that. Oh, damn. So they said it was likely written by somebody who was around 5'11". Rebecca's 5'2". Adam is 5'10". Well? Obviously, that's never been proven, but the Zahao family came up with two different theories. First, they theorized that... Dina, Nina, and Adam were all in it together. Now, Dina, remember, is Max's mom. Ah. Nina is Dina's twin sister. I didn't know that. And Nina was the one that contacted Rebecca that night, and Rebecca didn't answer her. And Mm -hmm. she was basically like, how did this happen? And, like, why would this, like, this doesn't make sense, and this accident isn't adding up or whatever. And she never responded to her messages. Okay. So I'm like, why is everybody contacting Rebecca? Right. Like, what? Stop. Unless you've tapped out every effort to try and reach Jonah. But you're the he's aunt. at the hospital. But you're the aunt and Dina's your sister. Oh, so you yeah. really shouldn't be contacting your sister's husband's girlfriend. Right. The theory that this is how family came up with is, was that Dina, Nina, and Adam were all in it on in on it together. And basically they created this whole ploy to get back at Rebecca because they blamed him for Ad- or for Max's death. Dino's already mad at her for like taking exactly. her husband who she wasn't really divorced from exactly. yet. Exactly. And so what they said is that they that Nina and Dina showed up at the house that night. I know. Creative parenting there. Yeah. Um, showed up at the house that night and basically attacked Rebecca, hit her in the head, which explained like the 
the point of <sighs> impacts on her head or whatever, but only oh, enough the three. That's right. Four, four, but only enough to knock her unconscious, which they said the head injuries would have been enough to incapacitate her, but not kill her. Okay. And so they said that they hit her on the head and then realized like, Oh, she's gonna wake up and she's going to rat us out for this. And so Adam then like heard the commotion going on in the house and he came in and agreed to like help them out with getting rid of the body or whatever. And like, it was him that like, ultimately tied up the body and killed her and flung it over the balcony. Oh, God. That was all disproven because Nina was caught on security footage at Dina's house that night. So she had gone to Dina's house. Dina was caught on security footage at the hospital, (laughs) never leaving. She never left her son's side. So there was no way that either one of them would have been there. actual hand in it. Like physical hand in it. Exactly. So the Zahao family drops Nina and Dina from their whole theory, because obviously that's just not possible. And they go with this whole story with just Adam. So they say that Adam was infatuated with her, but also very angry with her. And blamed her for what was going on with Max. In his rage or whatever, he sexually assaulted Rebecca with the knife. And then strangled her and then in order to cover up the strangulation he basically hung her off the rope over the balcony it doesn't really explain why the message was left but it is kind of indicative of like the reasoning behind it like it's like rage yeah totally and that i mean ultimately that he's the one responsible for it and that mm-hmm. he went back to the guest house and you know Went to bed and didn't report it until the next morning when supposedly he got up to go get coffee. Right, because that would make sense. Right. So, the other theory that was floated around that just doesn't really add up to me is that it was, like, an intruder and maybe one of Rebecca's exes because she tend to, like, have, like, guys tended to, like, kind of be obsessed with her when they were dating no. her or whatever. But it's just the timing of it and everything like that, it doesn't really, like, add up to me. He seems to be pretty spot on for this based on his searches based on his ability to tie knots and stuff like that like there just seems to be more reasons for me to think it's him than not the problem is is like the evidence doesn't really support it so i mean as far as a trial is concerned and paul holes has said this himself this is never gonna go to trial there's not enough evidence to prove it no but it does seem to me like he is the guy for it Yeah, I mean, he's there. He had the opportunity. He had a motive, right? And he Mm -hmm. had the means. Right. So he had all three things that it takes to commit, at least this case, what happened. Right. He was on the premises. He had full coming and going of it, what have you, coming in from the, you know, the guest house to the main house. Right. Um. He was mad for his brother, I'm sure, understandably. And then there's also that portion that where he probably had a crush on her because she was a pretty girl. Which explains the sexual assault component right. to it. And we don't know because they did not do like a, as far as we know, they didn't do like a rape kit, right? I think when she was exhumed, so they exhumed her body later oh, on did. to like test for different things. But at that point, too much time had passed and sure. decomp had happened too much to really get a full picture of it Mm -hmm. there could have been sexual assault 
just like from himself. It could have been a rape that we don't know about that could have been covered up with the markings of the knife handles. Right. That we we just don't know. Right, because they didn't test they didn't test the underwears that were right. found in his whatever. They didn't test the the knife they didn't test beyond the fact of just knowing it was menstrual blood. Like, they didn't test it to see if it was actually inserted in her or anything like that. There was just so many things that were missed here. Yeah, I think he might have done it. I think he allegedly I mean, they, might be the guy. They proved wrongful death on him. Yeah, but they said, like, to prove that in a civil case, it literally needs to be, like, a 51 to 49. Oh, yeah. Like, there, there's Like I said, all little... you have to prove is that someone had the means, the motive, and the opportunity. Yeah. You don't have to prove that they did it. You just have to prove that they could have been able to do it. Yeah. And that they had, you know, the timing is there. You can't just say, oh, I'm accusing you of murder and... So I think that's, I mean, I think that's the majority of the things that I left out last time, but it is definitely some things to consider along with this case. Yeah. Um, it's always just weird with the mystery of like the who done it. you know, yeah. if you don't have like a signed seal delivered court decision, then it's, it's, but always that, well, what if this, what if that portion, um, well, and, and you don't know what's going to be important. Yeah. So you overthink everything well and interestingly enough like nina or i'm sorry dina said at one point that she did believe that rebecca had been murdered she just didn't know by who hmm. interesting so all right well let us know if you need a third part just kidding i think no, we're good we're, done. <laughs> we're good so if you want a deep dive maybe go listen to the dr phil i yeah. recommend it mckenzie does it <laughs> I mean, that one he did a good job on. So, yeah, go listen to his. Um, But, yeah, he does a five-parter on it that's definitely way more in-depth than this. All right. So if you have any stories, any whodunits that you want us to cover deep dive for you, please email us at astrangerdangerpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit us on Facebook on Stranger Danger colon a true crime podcast or the group colon murder lovers. You can go over to our Instagram at a stranger danger podcast or go over to our Twitter at SD true crime pod. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.